You are listening to a message from Parkway Pentecostal Church in Corona. Today's message is brought to you by our lead pastor, Jay Black. If you would like more information on Parkway, you can visit our website, parkway-church.com. This morning, we are going to look at, I think, another topic that affects many of us. And uh, I don't know what to call it except to just say this. Jesus made this statement, therefore, do not worry. How many of us are obeying that in our lives as much as we should? Therefore, do not worry. Our text is found in Matthew chapter 6. We won't have anything on the screen this morning just because, like I said, I'm on holidays. And... uh, and I'm just sharing what's on my heart for you. But uh, if you bring a pen and paper, if you have access, there should be a note. There, there's a piece of paper in the pew in front of you that has room for notes, I believe. Uh, and you can take notes because we're going to have some practical stuff this morning. All right, Matthew chapter six, uh, 6, starting at verse 25. Jesus makes this statement. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Uh, You know, when I saw that statement, I love, I think Jesus has a sense of humor. Because when I read that, who of you can add a single moment to your life by worrying? I thought, if you could, I would live to be about 9,000 years old. Anyone else agree, right? And I think that there is a bit of humor in that statement. He goes on in verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, by the way, who is the wisest and probably richest man that has ever lived on the planet... Uh, Not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow and thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, non-believers, run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom... And his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And everybody said, Amen. Each day has enough trouble on its own. The word therefore, it starts by Jesus saying, therefore I tell you, do not worry. So whenever you see that word therefore, you know it ties it in with what just preceded. And what just came before was Jesus teaching on not storing up for ourselves treasures on earth, but store up for ourselves treasures in heaven where nothing can corrode. And then he goes on to say, and then your heavenly Father will take care of you. Therefore, do not worry. And so what came before was Jesus' instructions to not serve money and worry about that, but to trust God instead. But let's look at worry and anxiety for a moment. How many of our fears and worries and anxieties are things that we have no control over anyways? Right? How, how much of our fear and anxieties are worries and things that don't come to pass, and our fears are unfounded? It's the what-ifs. 
how much of our fears and worries are things that are concerning things that God has already promised to take care of, or our obedience will bring his promises to claim in our lives. I don't know about you, but in all three of those categories, that's where most of my worries lie. So again, I suspect that many of our worries have a lot more to do with our thinking than even being reality-based. And the problem with fear and worry is that fear and worry rob us of abundant life. They rob us of joy. They rob us of peace. They even rob us of enjoying and be feeling blessed in what we have in the moment because we're worried about what we may not have or don't have. They hold us hostage emotionally. Fear and worry drain us of energy because of the emotional and mental energy that goes into, into worrying about them. It saps us of strength. And worry, lastly, and maybe most importantly, robs us of faith. Stepping out in obedient faith that will release God's blessings into the very circumstances and situations we're worried about. If there's no need, uh, if, there's not, if there's not a risk, if there's not a need, faith isn't needed. So whatever faith needs to be applied, there's either going to be risk stepping out or there's going to be the need for faith because there's something that we need supplied. And fear is what stops most people. I don't think it's unwillingness. I believe it's fear that stops us from stepping out in most cases. Does anyone agree with me? But here's the problem. It's, it's impossible for faith and worry-based fear to work towards the same end. Faith requires a step of trust, and worry and fear rob us of taking that step. So when for worry and fear grip us, our first response is to try and working through solutions in our minds, frantically working through scenarios. Has anyone ever lost any sleep because your mind's just going, right? That's what we do. I'm not saying we don't show concern and give attention to things where they need to be, but I'm talking about the kind of, it's called ruminating, where it, your mind just goes round and round and round and won't let go because you're working through about a thousand scenarios uh, and usually the more that we think about them, the worse the original scenario gets and the more impossible the solutions that we come up with are, right? And as people of faith, maybe we pray, but people often pray fret-filled prayers, not faith-filled prayers and declarations. And God, unfortunately, doesn't respond to fret-filled prayers. He responds to faith-filled prayers, fret-filled prayers, are the type of prayers we do when we, we point more at the impossibility of the situation and say, God, don't you see? Don't you understand? Lord, what are we going to do? God, how can we? And Jesus, you know, we're freaking out under the guise of prayer. God doesn't respond to that. There, there's an evangelist and teacher, Dan Moeller, and he speaks about the time his wife was hospitalized. I believe she was in a coma, and it was like one of these freak things she this sickness came on her. Doctors were trying to discover what it was. She's in a, she was in a coma. And he went in with his young son. Uh, his son was about 13 years old at the time, I believe. And he went in with his son. And he says, before I could get into the hospital room, and he goes, well, my wife with the tubes all in her. She's in this coma. Uh, her, her body's failing. They don't know if they're giving her much hope. And he goes, the doctor comes to me, says, Mr. Moeller, I need to talk to you. And he starts to list all of the symptoms. And Dan says, I, I stopped the doctor. I says, doctor, listen, I want you to understand something. I appreciate so much what you're doing for my wife. 
And I encourage you to take all of your learning and all of your knowledge and everything that you know how to do medically and apply it to my wife. He goes, the reality is I don't care what's wrong with her. I know something's wrong. That's your category. You take care of her to the best of your ability. I will never hold that against you. I'll never sue you. You just do whatever it is you have to do. For me, I'm just going to go pray for my wife. He went into the room, and he says he wanted to model something for his son. So he said, I sat down next to my son, and we just spoke the life and healing of Jesus over my wife. We just said, this sickness has no place. In the name of Jesus, you're to go. And we just pray that the presence and the blessing and the power of the Holy Spirit would come and just make Jesus real to her. Amen. And he says he walked out with his son. And he says... My son was a little shaken up by seeing his mother in this state. And he, he goes, I made this statement to my child. He goes, I said, remember when mommy had the migraine, the headache a few weeks ago? Did we pray any differently? No, dad. And he says, then why would I go into that room with a fret-filled prayer, circling the wagon, starting to call out to God about the seriousness of the situation? Because he said, son, that would be a fear-based prayer, not a faith-based prayer. And he said, if you had have seen me at the gas station 20 minutes later putting gas in my car, you'd never know that my wife's, my wife's life hung in the balance. And he goes, and it wasn't caring. But he says, I've been serving God long enough to know. It doesn't matter if it's a slight headache or if it's cancer. It's all the same to God. How many times does someone in our church uh, get, have a sickness or have a need and we circle the wagons? we got to call on God, folks. we got to fast and pray. Now, there is a time to fast and pray. But I think sometimes the church has responded in fear. Uh, and we call it prayer. And we call it fasting. But what it is is fear. We're going to pull out all the stops. We're going to do everything that we know how to do to work it up so that God has to listen. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And by the way, the next day, his wife woke up and was eating and was fine and walked out of the hospital within two, three days. By the way, it's like that mother, and I looked this up a few years ago, and I feel I need to share this. Uh, in Minnesota, her son fell under the ice a couple of years ago. Uh, Robert, uh, Robert Rodriguez tells this story, and uh, Sammy Rodriguez tells this story, and I looked it up, and it's true. The local paper and TV station her son fell under the ice, was dead for 20 minutes. They couldn't resuscitate him in the ambulance. And when they got her son to the hospital, she walked in the room and she just simply said, I speak the resurrection power of Jesus into my son. Because they told him he's brain dead, he'll never live. Son woke up, he's alive and well today. Why? Because somebody knew that God responds to faith-filled prayers. There's no need to worry, Jesus is the same. Amen? Okay. So how many of you feel stretched already? And we're only at the start of this this morning. In Mark 4, the disciples are on the Lake of Galilee. These are seasoned fishermen. Some of those guys had actually lived on and worked on this lake. And the storm came up, and the Bible says that they were being buffeted by the waves, and they, they were in danger of sinking. Jesus is so exhausted from ministering that he's asleep in the front of the boat. And the disciples wake him up frantically. And... Uh, they're in, they're in the place where they're blaming God. You ever been in that place? Fret-filled prayers are the types where we go, God, don't you see? Don't you hear? Right? Because they say to Jesus, don't you care that we're about to drown? And Jesus stands up. And the first thing he does is he rebukes them. Then he rebukes, or sorry, he rebukes the winds and wave. And the calm comes. Then he rebukes them for having no faith. Here's what's interesting. You heard me say this a few weeks ago, but we only have authority over the things that we have peace about. 
Jesus could speak peace to the storm because he had an inner peace that God was in control. If I don't have an inner peace, if I'm full of anxiety and fear and worry, I'll never be able to speak to the things that are causing that because, because we reproduce what's round about us. And Jesus was able to change that atmosphere because he had an inner peace. And so uh, Dan Moeller could speak peace to his wife, I mean life to his wife, because he was consumed with the life of Jesus. He was not circling the wagons and responding with worry and fear. He walked in and he spoke life. Jesus could speak peace because of what was in him could translate and transform into the circumstances around him. It's no wonder Jesus told us, do not worry. Do not can also be translated, take no thought, or don't give room for worry. You know, and I do, I read that, and I'm a person who reads the Bible interactively, so I, I read that, and I, I read that in the, in the Greek, do not means take no thought or don't give room, and I thought, you know, Jesus, easier said than done. When you feel like you're out in the lake drowning, it's hard not to give room to a little bit of anxiety and worry and fear, isn't it? But that's, that's where the Spirit of God being in his presence and the Word of God come for the renewing of our minds. The unrenewed mind will always give room to anxiety and worry because it will always see things through the flesh. But the renewed mind will be able to focus on things eternal because it's renewed by the Word of God and the presence of God. When you and I come to church on a Sunday and the presence of God starts to manifest. By the way, can I remind you, every three or four weeks I run into someone who's heard about how God is moving in our church and they drive long distances to come here and experience it. You and I have a much shorter drive. Here's my point. We have the opportunity not to come to church on a Sunday morning and go through the motions. We have an opportunity to connect with the life-changing, transforming, renewing presence of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I don't know what Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday holds for me. But I can come into his presence, hear his word, have my mind renewed, so that when life comes against me, I can respond out of a renewed mind and the peace and the joy and the confidence of that. Amen? Does that make sense? So Jesus said, in light of storing up treasures in heaven and not serving money, give no room or thought about worrying for these things. And, and so our focus isn't fear-based. Uh, if our focus is on those things, then it's either fear-based or it's an idol in our lives. Because Jesus is saying, don't let the stuff of life be the focus of our thinking. Because if it is, it will lead to worry and fear and losing the stuff God has already promised to provide. If we were to make a pie chart... Uh, or a time graph of all of the time that we spend worrying about the things that God's word says he'll take care of, what would that look like? I didn't make one, but I got thinking about it, and I thought, I spend an awful lot of time worrying about things that God said. Don't worry about it. I got it. Does that make sense? See, worry and anxiety blocks our ability to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us in the midst of our circumstances. Because our minds are just going over. Listen to what Matthew 13, 22 tells us. It's the parable of the sower. You know, the sower sowing the seed and it falls on the different kinds of ground. Matthew 13, Jesus says, The one who received the word that fell among the thorns is the one who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it 
making it unfruitful. I find it interesting. There's another place. We're not going to look at it this morning in Luke 21. Jesus talks about how in the last days, it's the deceitfulness and the chasing after wealth and the worries and anxieties of life that will rob us of our salvation if we let it. Here, the word of God is being sown into someone's life, but the thorns grow up. And what are the thorns? The thorns are the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. They go hand in hand because, let's be honest, most of our worries are, are about wealth, money, provision, the things that God has promised to give. They go hand in hand. And again, the context is interesting. Jesus puts those two things together. And when we're worried about the provisions of life, then we start to believe the lie that we wouldn't be worried and our problems would be solved if only we had more money. Does this make sense? If you've ever thought, boy, uh, I could use a windfall, then I wouldn't be worried anymore. If you've ever said, if I won the lottery, I wouldn't buy the ticket myself, but if someone gave it to me for like my birthday, pastor appreciation. Oh, man, I was standing behind a guy, and he had like nine of those stupid lotto cards in front of me in line. And then the lady says, I'll help you over here, sir. And I just wanted to go to her and go, you are such a godsend. Because I, anyways, it's a whole other story. All I wanted to do was buy milk. Uh, I've heard people say this. I have. I've heard people say, if only... I had more money than I know my life would be so much. I wouldn't worry half as much. Do you know what we're actually doing? We're putting our faith and our confidence and the answers to our worry and anxiety and having more money. And I was honest with you. Uh, uh, a number of, a number, let, let me share something. Can I, can I share something personal with you? Most of you know that I have a lot of faith and a lot of confidence. But my personal kryptonite is the church finances. I've shared that with you. And uh, it was the church finances, by the way. The Lord's really... And a number of weeks ago, Graham, you'd remember this because we spoke about it. Graham was here somewhere. Do you remember when we took up the offering and I said, faith came over me and I just said, in Jesus' name, we don't look to my... We look to you, God, to be our provider. And we're so thankful. We're so grateful. And we just believe. Something rose up in me that morning. And it was Thanksgiving. That's what it was. And I, Monday, Thanksgiving Monday, I woke up and I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to pray bold, specific prayers because you honor bold prayers. Bold prayers honor you and you want to answer specific prayers. And I said, okay, Lord, here's, here's where we're at. I said, uh, we are starting November. We are going to be $1,000 a month as a church on the hook for snow removal. That's a, that's a big bill for us for that time of year. And I said, Lord, I'm not going to pray that you will give us more money to pay for that. I pray you'll take care of that bill. That's what I prayed. And I came into my office Tuesday morning. Pastor Michelle brought in the mail. And there was two snow removal companies that both had bids that were significantly less than that. So just to put a long story short. We just signed on to have snow removal for $349 a month over five months. So here's the difference. God, what we need is more money. No. God, you're our provider. 
this is your bill. You're going to take care of it. And, oh, I remember what I prayed. Remember I said, and let's just, let, let's find out how creative God can be in meeting our needs. Do you remember I said that on Thanksgiving? And, and healing our sicknesses, providing. So I, Monday morning, I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to let you be as creative as you can, as you can be. There is a big, significant difference between $349 a month for the same services we were getting and $1,000 a month. God got pretty creative. I love the fact that he had to answer the prayer before I even prayed it for me to get it Tuesday morning on a long weekend. But how many of you know if I didn't pray that, those would have got lost in the mail maybe? Why? Because, and you'll see this next week, I wasn't going to give the devil access and the legal right to get them lot. They had to get on my desk because I came in faith. Does that make sense? And so, worry chokes out the word. Jesus said the word fell amongst, on the soil, but the thorns, the worriness, and the deceitfulness of wealth choked it out. So worry will always choke out the word. Worry blocks us from hearing from the Holy Spirit. The word choke can be translated to suffocate, smother, asphyxiate, choke, or throttle. How many times is the word of God being throttled out of us through anxiety and worry and fear? Come on. Great descriptions of what it does. Like a weed, it, isn't it funny how we got to be so faithful letting the word of God renew and sow and turn up our lives, but those weeds of worry can grow up so fast. How many gardeners do we have? It's true, right? Okay, let's move on. Are you all still with me? It's no wonder Jesus spoke so clearly and adamantly about not worrying, but living for the kingdom of God and trusting God with the stuff of our life. Worry and anxiety is killer, spiritually and emotionally. It's destructive. It will rob us of faith and peace. So my question is, what's robbing you of your peace and joy? What is attacking your hope in your today and your tomorrow? Is it money, the mortgage, the U.S. election, our own government? Is it our children? I mean, my goodness. I'm watching Christians on social media in the United States fight and call one another the most horrible names because uh, some are Democratic and some are Republican. And Excuse me, we're the family of God first. We belong to a kingdom of heaven first, right? We as believers have got to stop saying things like, boy, that country's going to be a mess if. Last time I checked, Jesus is still in control. Amen? So, and there's not a whole lot we can do about it anyway, so why worry about it, right? Who of you, Jesus said, by worrying can even add a single hour to your life? I, I would even go farther and say, can you think of a single positive thing that worry has ever accomplished in your life? What decisions have come to a positive result by responding to anxiety and fear? Boy, I'm glad I was scared spitless because, boy, that turned out really well when I made that decision in it never does, right? The Bible is so important because all through the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see that on a national, global level, on the world scale, regardless of the political climate or right down to an individual who needed his miraculous intervention on a personal level, nothing is impossible for God. And God is your God. He's my God. He's a good father. And Jesus said that he will take care of us. Yeah, again, I know I'm sitting down, but this is better preaching than you're responding this morning. So, he cares about every single detail of our lives. 
He does care about what's going on in America. He does care, by the way, about what's going on in Ontario. He does care about these things. And there's a big difference between worry and concern. Concern is giving something the proper focus and attention needed in order to come up with a solution. And uh, faith isn't just throwing it all on God and walking away. Faith is just saying, God, I know one way or the other in your creative, supernatural, loving, merciful way, you're going to get this done. And whatever I need to do, Lord, I'm willing. Does that make sense? So what can we do to move from worry to trust and faith? I just want to close and give you a few uh, practical things this morning. Number one, slow down and refocus. Be still and know that I am God. There's a, there's a time. Listen, and by the way, if you're like me, uh, sometimes we come to God with fret-filled prayers first, right? Our first response is, God, help. If that's you, listen, don't feel condemnation. Don't feel like every faith-filled prayer you've prayed is all nullified because of that. He's a good What do we do? When that fret and that anxiety is wanting to take over, we stop and we refocus. And what do we do? We be still and we know that he is God. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's an old saying, but it says our mountains, uh, our mountains will be as big or as small as our view of God. And if we see God as being bigger and greater and stronger and more powerful than anything that comes our way, then those mountains just shrink right down, right? And we have to be intentional about this. We have to read the Bible in order for our minds to be renewed. And as we read the promises and look in on the lives of others who face difficult, impossible circumstances, then we can read of how God worked miracles, sustained and provided. It will build your confidence and faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, focus on God and his eternal qualities and power. Fix your eyes on what is unseen because what is unseen is eternal. What is seen is temporary. And what is seen is always in change and flux. So what is seen is always subject to what is unseen and is under the authority of the unseen where God resides. So that's where we fix and focus our attention on. Come before God with singing and worship. It's amazing how, how God always reciprocates. When we start to lift up the name of Jesus, when we start to declare how amazing God is, uh, then you know what? Again, perspective comes. But the presence of God comes through worship and through prayer. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lift up your voice. Sing in the spirit and with understanding. Oh, magnify the Lord. Friends, that'll do more for your perspective than anything else that we can possibly do. Amen. Pray and thank him for his qualities. If you have children and loved ones that you're contending for to come to know him, then you start to say, I'm so thankful, God, that the Bible says that you're even delaying the second coming of your son, Jesus, because you don't want anyone to perish. God, you could just be, I mean, Lord, there's a part of me that just wants to get off this planet because it's a mess. But Lord, you haven't sent your son Jesus yet, your word says, because you don't want any to be left behind. You don't want any to perish. You could be waiting for my kids, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord, that you're the father in the prodigal son story. And every day you're searching and you're looking and you're patiently waiting for my kids to come home. Thank you, Lord, that there's no condemnation to those that are in Jesus Christ. So if my children are feeling that guilt and that shame and that weight of their life, may they know there's a place of goodness they can run and find mercy. Lord, you're Jehovah Jireh, my provider, God. All through scripture, there's this great story where uh, Jesus and his disciples had to pay the temple tax and they had no money. And Jesus, it's really weird, but Jesus says to Peter, who's a fisherman, go down to the lake, pull a fish out. When you open the fish's mouth, the coin will be in there for the temple tax. Like, how weird is that? But the temple tax was provided for. Jesus, you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. If, 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 if the neighbor's dog's got to come running over with a $1,000 check in his collar, you could do it if you needed to, but you're going to provide. These bills are yours, right? So praise him. Thank him for his qualities. Jesus said, and your heavenly father knows you need these things. He already knows you need them. So thank him that he knows and he's already providing. Secondly, take one day at a time. Take one step at a time. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, Jesus said, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Don't borrow from tomorrow's troubles. There was a survey uh, over many years, an ongoing study of 4,000 men, I believe it was in the United States. Of those 4,000 men, 38 died suddenly of heart attacks on Monday. Of those 4,000 men, only 15 died on a Friday. Why? Because they directly linked it as they, of the men that they knew, of the stress that they felt going into work on a Monday. Worry is often experiencing a crisis before it ever happens. How true is that, folks? Worry can be the result of being overwhelmed and feeling helpless against a tidal wave of circumstances. So you take today. You pray and acknowledge God in all your ways. It's hard sometimes, and we say things. There's power in our words, right? Do we understand that? The Bible says there's power in your words, and we'll eat the fruit thereof. So if we, if we feel overwhelmed... I said this the other day, and I couldn't believe I said it, and I repented, and I broke it off, and, and, uh, and Mark, I didn't give the devil access, you know what I mean? But I, uh, I said, well, that's two. Everything comes in threes. And I went, I can't believe I just said that. There's power in my words. So what did I do? I came before the Lord, and I said, God, I'm sorry I spoke that. And I said, I'm thankful that your word, your word says that there's power in my words, but the only thing that comes over the power of the words is your words. So I break that off in the name and the blood of Jesus. Forgive me, Lord, for saying it. And Jesus, I pray that this will not give the devil access to bring that one more thing. And, and, it, and it never came. And so we take today, when we feel overwhelmed, we take today. We say, God, what's my step now? What's my step after that? What would you lead and guide me? Right? It's, it's, it's how we do it. Secondly, we need to have a long-term perspective, an eternal perspective. By the way, take one day at a time. I think sometimes if we spoke as much to Jesus as we do everyone else, you know, take a long-term perspective. Seek first the kingdom of God, Jesus said, and all these other things will be given to you. It's almost 99.9% .9 of the time it's the other things we worry about that causes anxiety and stress. 
Seek God first. Make kingdom of God your passion and pursuit and the goal of your life. Fix on things unseen, and then God will flood you with eternal perspectives. Evaluate what we're worried about with the true, unexaggerated, long-term effect it will have on our lives. You know? Uh, is the dent in the car, is that going to mean anything in 15 years? Right? Will uh, our kid not making the sports team be as devastating to their life as we really think it will be? I mean, I'm being kind of facetious. make sense okay fifthly don't let your present circumstance cloud your memory I have a very selective memory when I need something today I forget how God provided for that like a hundred times in the last year right Psalm 103 2 let all that I am praise the Lord may I never forget the good things he does for me Jesus said this in what we read this morning in Matthew Jesus said, look at Solomon. What did Jesus do? Jesus said, think back, Israel, to your own history. The wisest, richest man on the planet. Look back to his example. And doesn't God take care of even these flowers of the field and the birds of the air more than him who had everything? Jesus was telling us, look back to God's provision. Look back to answered prayers. Look to your history and draw upon your history to give you faith and confidence today. Remember God's faithfulness to you in past crisis. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. If you're, I love how Bill Johnson puts it. Bill Johnson says, If I'm leaning on this podium, it's holding me up. If you take it away from me, what's going to happen right now? I'm going to fall over. And he says, Don't lean on your own understanding. Lean on God's understanding. Lean on his provision because it will never be pulled out from underneath you. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. How many of you know that in the midst of your situations, God can give you solutions and answers and guide you? Amen. And in the midst of that, we count our blessings. Sixthly, don't let fear and anxiety exaggerate the situation. 
Fear and anxiety wants to jump to the worst case scenario, which rarely happens. I know and try to ask myself using sober and realistic judgment, what is the worst that can happen? And what does that mean for me in the long term? And is the worst case scenario factoring in the present help and intervention of God who never fails? And, and we go from there. Usually, if I can do that prayerfully using perspective and realistic reasoning, it isn't near as devastating as my fears want me to believe. I shared with some of you a number of years ago, uh, the devil dropped me right to my knees one day and I had such a bad anxiety attack that he dropped me to my knees in my bathroom and he told me, you're going to lose the church, you're going to lose your ministry, you're, you're going to lose your job, the finances are going to dry up. I'd never experienced anything like that in my life, never mind about church finances, it's been about a two-year battle. And he just dropped me to my knees with it. And, and somebody in the church came by my office that day, it was actually Len, and Len said, I just really feel like something's bothering you, Pastor, so I told him. And Len looked at me and says, you're not going to... That's the devil. Are you serious? Because you're, let's pray. And it changed. But, I mean, the, the exaggeration of the situation was just unbelievable. And by the way, we pulled out and we were fine. Seventh and lastly, the presence of God. This ties in with the first step. Often, when fear and anxiety and worry, uh, by the way, if they're based on things we need to be concerned about, then it's, it's, it can be hard because there's a real need there. There's a real situation. Does that make sense? But Jesus says, don't give room for fear and anxiety, but trust in God. And so often when we're in that situation, what we want to do is we want to cloister ourselves away, right? That's when we need to be in fellowship. That's when we need to be a family. That's when you need to turn on, you know, Lake Mount's, uh, worship CD and get in the presence of God or Kim Walker or Hillsong or Gaithers or whoever it happens to be if you're 100 years old. I'm just kidding. Uh, that was for Mark and Bob. Uh, whatever, whatever it takes. I've been myself, there, there's a couple of songs I know for me that just get me into the presence of God. Uh, and uh, all hail King Jesus, all hail Emmanuel. Let there be glory and honor and praises. All the, thou art worthy, great Jehovah. I've been singing those songs because for me, they just bring me into the presence of God. And, and I just want to remind us, folks, that it's all about the presence of God. When God, when, when before sin came into the world, what do we find God doing? Walking with humanity. And when God sent Jesus, he didn't send an educator. He didn't send a Bible teacher first. We know Jesus is the living. What did he do? He sent his son to what? Redeem us so we could what? Be brought back into fellowship with him. And fellowship with God. Getting into the place where you can sense and feel and know. And if you've never experienced tangibly, I can feel the presence of God. You're missing out on so much life. And so one of the greatest promises in Scripture is, is when we draw near to God, He draws near to us. When we take time to be with Him, He reciprocates with the greatest blessing that He could give, and that's the blessing of Himself. The blessing of Himself. When we experience His presence, we're experiencing Him, and with His presence comes the fullness of who He is. Listen, it's impossible for God's presence to manifest. Let, let, let me say this. God will... You ever, 
most of you would understand that when we come and gather together in a worship service like this, we go, we can feel the presence of God. God is everywhere. But God chooses to reveal his presence, to pour himself into time and space in different ways. Does that make sense? Uh, one person said, I think it was Robert Morris, Pastor Robert Morris said, God is everywhere all the time. But God chooses to show himself differently in different spaces and at different times. And the manifest presence of God means that God is choosing to, to reveal himself in a different way than we feel if we're just, you know, driving down the street maybe with no thought of him. And what I think the Lord is trying to wake us up to as a church is this, is that when he manifests in a gathering like this, he's not just manifesting part of himself. It's impossible for God to separate himself from himself. So when God manifests here, if you're in a worship service and God is manifesting and you go, I can feel the Holy Spirit and you have a burden on your heart, then you know what? God who answers prayer is here. And you can just lift that burden up and say, Lord, I just give it to you. You are here. Lord, I'm sick in my body. Uh, there's not a, uh, that, that means your fullness is here. That means that you are uh, Jehovah Rophe, which is one of God's names, which means God healer. So when he manifests, if you're sick in your body and you go, I'm sick in my body and I'm so sore right now, I feel like I can't even stand. That's the time to go, but wait a sec, you're here. I can sense you here, so I receive healing because it's impossible for you to be here and not be here in healing. Does that make sense? So when we're filled with anxiety and fear and worry and you find yourself in the presence of God through reading his word, through worship, through prayer, through maybe gathering with God's people, listen, it's impossible for that anxiety and that worry and that fear to keep its grip on you when you just simply say, God, just come. You're my provider. You're good. I just pray. I just, in Jesus' name, just pray this off of me and, and receive you. And you will find a shift in your own thinking and in your own atmosphere. Faith is the channel through which God's promises flow. Fear is the channel through which the enemy flows. And uh, we can break off that access. I hope this, I hope this helps today. Uh, it's what I felt uh, to share. In fact, I feel it's probably what the, why the Lord had me come here this morning when I was supposed to be away to share. Because uh, some of us are just faced with difficult circumstances. Like the disciples, we're in the midst of a storm and we can't really see a whole lot in front of us. Take one day at a time and trust in the one. Uh, I just want to close with this illustration. I used it before uh, because it, meant, it has meant so much to me and the Lord keeps bringing it back to me. Uh, a number of years ago, I preached a message called Life from, I think I called it Life from the Blimp. And we, we talked about how if you go see a parade, if you watch like the Thanksgiving Day Parade on television, uh, the cameras that are near street, the street view, you just see, uh, you know, the floats as they go by. You might see the one that just went by. You might see the one that's coming. But, I mean, it's so big, you, you can't see what's coming. But every now and again, they change to that shot from, you know, the Goodyear blimp. And that Goodyear blimp is so high up, you see everything all at once. And when we are in situations that cause anxiety and fear, we need to remember that it's like in life, we're sitting on the curbside and all we see is what's right in front of us. That's all we see. 
But we serve the God who says, look, I see the beginning of this thing right to the very end, and I know your provision is already on its way. So you can trust me. You can trust me. I can pray on a Sunday and then pray on a Monday morning. God, that snow removal, it's yours. And God says, good for you because I, all you see is this upcoming bill in front of you. That's all you can see in this parade called life. But I'm in the blim- I, know it's, I know it was already put in the mail on Tuesday. And it's coming your way. Just trust me. Don't lose another minute. Don't not be thankful this Thanksgiving because I've got it. Does that make sense? Let's stand. Thank you for being so patient this morning. Lord, if there's anyone here today, and I'm sure there is, there's people, Lord, that are facing difficult circumstances. There's marriages, there's children. There's things going on in our schools, in our workplaces, our finances, our relationships. Lord, there's, there's people with heavy hearts and they have concern for loved ones. And we recognize and we understand all of that, but I want to thank you that you said, do not worry, because there is a God who knows how to take care of our every need. There is a God who provides for our every need. There is a God who is already making a way where there seems to be no way. And so I just pray today, supernaturally, Lord Jesus, I speak your name over every person who has concerns in their lives, but they've slipped into that anxiety and fear. I pray today that that anxiety and fear would not choke out the word that has been spoken where you said, God, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be taken care of. Thank you that our children are yours, Lord. You are taking care of them. You are making a way for them. We pray that they would grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and in favor with people, Lord. We thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, that you are providing and making a way and providing for all of our needs and paying all of our bills, Lord. We thank you that you're the God of restoration, that you are going to restore marriages and relationships. We thank you that you're the God, the Father who would wait at the end of the street for his prodigal to come home. And even now, prodigals are being convicted and realizing the emptiness of their life and their sin. And they are already prepared to stand up And come home. So we just trust you in all of these things. And so Lord I just pray against fear and anxiety and worry. I just loose it and command it to go in Jesus name. And I just pray that spirit of God you would come. And bring an eternal perspective. Let our minds and our hearts be renewed. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding. And every circumstance speak peace. And breathe that life. That breath of God into us. So that the storm that is round about us. Will not only not affect us. But we'll be able to speak peace to that. In confidence knowing. That we serve the one. Who commands the winds and waves. And they obey. So we thank you for this. And now I pray that the love of the Father. And the mighty name of Jesus Christ and the fellowship and goodness of the Holy Spirit would go with each one today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to our message. If you would like more information on our church, you can visit our website, parkway-church.com. And if you like what you hear, we would love to have you join us on a Sunday morning right here in Corona at 10 a.m.